and all that she does and don't want to neglect to remember one of our own tonight. Acts chapter number one, if you'll pick up in verse number one, just remain seated. You're going to read several verses and jump right into a message tonight that I want to call it a Bible study, but I'm afraid Brother Jim would hurt me if I did. So we're not going to call it a Bible study, but I want to share just with you a simple truth tonight. It's been on my heart for a few weeks. It's a very simple truth that I think we all need to uh, receive. It'll help us a little bit as we move forward in this new year to continue to see God bless. Acts chapter number one, verse number one, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel, to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Part of the earth. Now watch verse number 9. Verse 9 through about verse number 12 will be our key tonight. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Let's pray together. Father God, I do thank you tonight, Lord, for the privilege to gather around your word again. Thank you for the message that you sent. Now, I pray you'd help us just to say what you would have us to say, Lord. That's all I desire to do tonight. I pray that, Lord, you'd speak through us. I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. And I pray most of all that we'll be obedient to what you make clear that we need to do. I pray that you bless the invitation time. Lord, help one tonight. If there's one lost, not sure about their home, Lord, being heaven, I pray that, Lord, they would come and be saved. And for the saved, help us be challenged, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to share something with you tonight that really has been on my heart for probably about a month now. And oftentimes, the Lord will put a thought on your heart. And if you've ever taught anything or maybe preached a little bit, Uh, You kind of have to wait for the green light before you can preach the message. And uh, just because the Lord kind of loads you up in your heart and you have a burden about it in your heart, you have to wait until he green lights it and says, go with it. And so I guess about a month, maybe a month and a half ago, this was on my heart and just waiting for the Lord to kind of make it clear. Uh, And tonight we're going to deal with a subject I think we can all relate to very well in real time. Uh, And that's because of the fact that something we've all experienced together uh, almost over the last two years now. Uh, And that subject we're going to look at tonight is the subject of change. Uh, Over the last two years, I believe Central Baptist Church has experienced just about as much change as a church can experience. 
I want you to think about it. I don't want to walk you back down through a, a sad road, but I want you to think about it. In the last two years, our church has seen uh, a very beloved pastor move on to where the Lord has called him to go uh, and moved in a new family that you didn't know, and God moved us here. We're thankful to be here. Uh, not long after that, the Lord moved a very beloved youth pastor out, uh, moved him up to where God had called him. He's doing very well there, and we're thankful for that. And, uh, and then an assistant pastor, the Lord moved them on to where he would have them go, and the Lord moved in the Harrises. We're thankful to have them here. Uh, moved in a lot of new staff, different people serving in different areas. Uh, and then we have a virus hit. And a lot more change comes our way with the virus of having to be out of this building, having to meet by a live stream, having to meet outside, and uh, having to go through all of that that I hope we never have to do again. And then in the midst of the virus, we begin to lose some of our church members to heaven. Uh, it's not the worst place to lose them to, but we hate losing them and hate that God uh, uh, took some from us maybe a little bit earlier than we would have liked them to go. And throughout all of this change, it's been difficult for all of us. Uh, it's not been just difficult for our church as we've had people come and go, not just staff, but people who've gone on to be with the Lord. But uh, it's been difficult for those who God has, has moved from other places to these places. And we've all had to deal with the difficulty of change. And there's one thing that I have learned over the past two years that you've probably learned as well, is that change will challenge your resolve to the will of God. When change begins to take place and God moves people to different places of service and God moves people on to glory and God moves people around different positions and staff within the church, that change is going to challenge your resolve for the will of God of what you know that God would have you to do. It will shake you a little bit, won't it? Won't it? I know it's shaken my family the times that God has changed. Now, I'm not about to resign. Some of you look scared, all right? Some of you look happy. Uh, I'm not about to resign, all right? So go ahead and just pipe down a little bit. It's all right. But I do want to share something with you tonight that involves this subject of change. If you're not careful in the midst of change, the devil will find that as an opportunity for him to stick his crowbar in and to cause you to deviate from the known will of God for your life. And you have to be careful because he'll do that. I was thinking about in the book of Genesis, uh, about Jacob, Genesis chapter 35, where as he's on the road to the will of God, as a matter of fact, turn there with me right quick. Uh, I'm just going to hit a few thoughts tonight. It's going to be a little different in format, but stick with me, all right? This has been on my heart, and the Lord said, go with it tonight, so we're going to go with it. Genesis chapter number 35, and uh, I want to show you something that uh, I think we'll be able to relate to just a little bit. Genesis chapter number 35. Uh, let's look down, um, look down to about verse number, verse number, no, we're not in Genesis 35. Where am I supposed to be at? I have given the wrong reference in my notes. Let me look down from here. Here we go. Here we go. Look at verse number nine. Yeah, Genesis 35, nine. God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Padanaram and blessed, blessed him. And God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful, multiply a nation, and the company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. That's exciting to think about what God's about to do with this man. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, to thee will I give it. And to thy seed after thee will I give thee land. God went up from him in the place where he talked with him, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured, poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him Bethel. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath, and Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also." And it came to pass as her soul was departing, for she died. 
that she called his name Benoni, which his father called him Benjamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way of Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. I thought about this this afternoon as I was preparing to preach about how the early part of verse 9 and 10, God shares with him the promise of what he's going to do. And how exciting it was for him to look forward to how God was going to bless him and use him and how excited he must have been. And then just a few verses later, all of a sudden, God steps in and takes his dear wife. And I can't help but think tonight about how his heart must have been challenged as he seeks to continue to go about the will of God, of what God has called him to do, and now God has brought change to his life, and God has taken from him someone that he loved dearly, and how I'm sure his heart must have been tempted to stray. How often in times of change are we tempted to do just that, tempted to stray? If we're not careful tonight, we're going to allow these times of difference to disrupt our diligence. Okay? If you're not careful, there will be seasons of difference in our life, seasons of change, whether it be staff coming and going or people going on to be with the Lord or virus changes, service changes, or changes in your own, own personal life. And if we're not careful, the devil will use those seasons of difference to challenge our diligence and to cause us to be unfaithful. Just a few weeks ago, Brother Brent was here. We were speaking, and I asked him how they're getting settled in up there. And he said what he mentioned in his sermon that night. He says, it's good, but it's different. I don't know if there is a church like Central, to be honest with you. I'm kind of partial, I know, but I don't know if there is a church like Central. And I thought about how many times we've said that, even after I got here. I hope you say it's good, okay? Uh, but it's definitely different, isn't it? Everything's different. We've got new people coming in, different people, different positions, things taking place. And these differences, listen, they're all part of God's plan, but if you're not careful, the devil can use differences as well. And you have to be careful tonight not to allow those differences that God has brought about in our life to affect our diligence. And so the key tonight is learning to remain definite when things are different. And that's what I want to preach on tonight, just for a few minutes. Remaining definite when things are different. God oftentimes brings about changes in our life. Now, look, I'm not just talking about Central Baptist Church. I'm talking about in your life. There's been people that in 2021, several wonderful families in our church, that there has been changes in their home because of this virus. People have gotten sick. People have gone on to be with the Lord, and change has come to their life. And if we're not careful, when those differences happen, the devil seeks to use those to affect our diligence. So tonight we're going to try to look at this simple thought of learning how to remain definite when things are different and learning how to accept the change that God brings within our life. Now, it's not just our church, it's in our personal life. Now, what's happening in Acts chapter number 1? Acts chapter number 1, the disciples have been reunited with their risen Lord. Imagine how excited they were. You know, he was, he was crucified, and he was taken away, and he was buried, and they were separated from him. And all of those three years they served with him, he was their anchor. He was their rock. And then now all of a sudden in Acts chapter number 1, Jesus is about to ascend. Uh, I mean, they got to spend a little bit more time with him, and now he's being taken away. And the Bible says, you look down to verse number 9, he was received up into a cloud, and now he's gone. And now they're at a very pivotal place of transition. This time of change when God is taking Jesus up, in just a little while, the Holy Spirit's going to come down. That was a time of transition. And I assure you, the devil's very smart. The devil looks for these cracks and changes in our life, and he seeks to disrupt our diligence in our walk with God. The devil would love nothing more than in times and seasons of change in our life, when God moves things around in times of transition, the devil would love to disrupt our faithfulness and our diligence of our faithful walk with him. That's why you've got to be careful, and you've got to learn to remain definite when things are different. And I believe the disciples are about to show us four truths. 
It's 5.53 in case you're wondering what time it is. And you're thinking, oh, no, you're going to miss out on Wheel of Fortune. Look, get you one of those TiVo things, you know, where you can record it and watch it later. But I believe tonight, look, it's been on my heart about a month and a half, but the Lord hasn't green-lighted to preach it until now. And I'm just going to share with you four very simple thoughts on truths that really will determine what you're like after the change. You know, we've had all these changes come into our church, changes come into our lives. The virus has brought change. And if you're not careful, the devil's going to use that change against you. So tonight, let's look at these four truths. And, uh, and then after the, uh, after the message, we're, we're going to share with something about Sunday school. So I'll try to be quick. Now, look down, if you would, to verse number 9. After Jesus finishes speaking with them, gives them his parting words, literally. The Bible says, when he'd spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, I want you to try to imagine that feeling. You'd spent three years working with Christ, serving with Christ, ministering with Christ. You'd seen such wonderful things happen through Christ and the power of God, and now it's really happening. They knew it was going to happen, but now it's really happening. Now he is literally being ascended up into heaven, and now he is gone. What they're realizing is that God is bringing about the will of what his plan was all along. Now, we have a copy of the Word of God, and we have the privilege of hindsight. We're able to go into the Word of God and realize that we know that was his plan all along, that he would come, he would send his son to live and die and rise again, that he would go to heaven and prepare a place for us. We know that because of hindsight, because of Scripture. And although they knew and he told them that he would ascend, now it's literally happening. And that's the first thing I want you to see tonight is the realization of change. As difficult as it was for them to behold, what was happening was part of God's divine plan. God told them, he says, I'm going to send a son and a savior, and he's going to save the world and die for the sins of all mankind. That was all part of the plan. But after he rose again, he was going to ascend and go to prepare a place. John 16, 7, he says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth is expedient for you that I go away. He says, it's good for you that I go away. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had to come. You see, it was the cycle of the will of God. He was going to take Christ who had walked with them physically in person that they had served with. He's going to take him up. But he says, wait, listen, wait, hang on. Listen, don't get out of sorts. Uh, Don't get out of my will. Wait, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to indwell with you within your heart. Now watch this. Verse 7 goes on to say this. Is it expedient for you that I go away? For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. You see, oftentimes we are short-sighted. And we look at things as the end, where Christ ascended to heaven. We're thinking, okay, well, there's the end of that. But truthfully, it was just the end of a chapter. Because a new chapter was about to begin with the presence of the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit of God. Now, folks, this is where faith comes in. Why? Because now the physical Christ had gone on to be with the Lord, and now they don't see him. Now, that Holy Spirit's going to come and indwell them and empower them. And they're going to have to trust by faith. You know, it's probably easier to trust when Christ was there, wasn't it? He's right there. You're walking with him. You're talking with him. You get to see him. And yet now, the visible Christ is gone. So what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to trust God's will and God's plan even when they can't see what God is doing. Now, folks, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Even since I've been here, there's been a lot of change since I've been here. And it's unsettling sometimes, isn't it? When things change, I mean, good men go on to be with the Lord. And God moves people around in different positions and different roles within our church. And if you're not careful, those changes will be used against you. The devil knows how to use change to your harm. 
and he wants to disrupt your walk and your faithfulness with God. But notice, these guys had to come to the realization this was all part of God's plan. I want you to know I have never been more so thankful than the last 18 months for the sovereignty of God. That God is all-powerful. and There's nothing mankind can do to change the hand of what God wants to do and what God desires to do. And even though I can't see what God's doing, look, I've got to come to the realization of change, and that realization is God's will is at work. We see all this turmoil in our country, and we're thinking, how could this be good? The Bible says that all things work together for good. To who? To them who are the called. We talked about that this morning, didn't we? God's taking all of this and working it in conjunction with his will, but we've got to be patient and trust by faith that God is working in the midst of change. Now here goes Christ. Christ's gone. They can't see him anymore, but he was working. Our problem is we are short-sighted. Look at verse number six. Look what the disciples are asking. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They said, hey, I want to know what you're doing. Hey, what are you doing? When are you going to do it? Hey, are you going to do it now? They were going to have to wait. They were going to have to watch and trust that he was working in spite of what they couldn't see. I often think about this, uh, any kind of time we have a wedding. Oh, man. Oh, Brother Monroe, that was tough the other day watching you up here because I have a daughter. And I was thinking, yeah, that's going to happen in about 20 years to me. Man, I got 20 years to prepare for that, Brother Michael. Whew. You know, Brother Matthews, you have boys. That's got to be easier giving away a boy. You know, just get him out of there. I only got one. But Nate, you got four. You get some practice in it. I only got one. Some, listen, some guy is going to come take my one little lamb. Isn't something in the Bible about that, taking the one little lamb? Some heathen guy is going to try to come do that to me. Man, I watch these dads. Who gives their bride this, this, this woman to be wed? Both the dad's lips quivering. Her mother and I. Man, that's tough, having to give them away. You're thinking, man, I don't like that. I, I bet Brother Monroe would tell you tonight, he didn't like that change. Man, having his daughter move all the way up there to Yankee land. They need some good missionaries up there. So I hope she goes up there and just be a missionary up there in Yankee land. Boy, I tell you, if I have to give my daughter away, I'm not going to like that change. Man, I'm not going to like that. And by the way, if you see any one of you scugs in here tonight, you got to keep her in this church, all right? You're going to sign on the dotted line, all right? I'm just throwing that out there and being honest with you. Or bring a dowry, it better be worth it. Season passes at Disney World or something like that might get you, get you in there. But here's what I was thinking this afternoon. I hear all these, these dads talk about how rough it is, and then along comes grandchildren. Man, I have watched some of you manly men become just squishy, hot marshmallows in your grandchildren's hand. You're thinking, man, if I'd have known that grandkids were going to be this good, I'd have had them first. We need to talk about that. I need to explain to you how that works, but it doesn't work like that. But you know what? You're standing there and you give your daughter away and you're thinking, man, I don't like this. I'm not going to like it either. And then all along comes along grandchildren. And you see, boy, it wasn't the end of, it was just the end of one chapter. God was beginning a new chapter and, and there's something good comes from it. Why? This is how God works. Change comes in our life and we don't like the change. But look, be patient. Watch what's going to come from the change. God can work in the midst of change. And I'll be honest with you tonight, I don't always like the change. It's unsettling. It unsettles the church. It unsettles the work. But listen, be patient in the midst of change and realize that as in Acts chapter number 1, God was working his will even in the midst of change that didn't feel good for them as they watched Christ leave. Ecclesiastes 3.1, the Bible says to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. You know what seasons are all about? Change. 
Walked out the door this morning, and it wasn't frigid. It felt great. I mean, I almost felt like going fishing. I mean, I almost felt like, you know what? Why don't we just go down and, uh, and just have a picnic out there at the camp and just go out there and pitch a, a blanket and have some sandwiches together. Why? The seasons are changing. As the seasons change, they bring about their own possibilities. They bring about their own good things that maybe we didn't see when we were in the other season. So number one. Watch this. How do we deal with change and remain definite when things are different? Well, first becomes a realization of change, that God was working in this. The second thing, this is the good part. I want to hurry and get to this. I want you to notice what happened in verse number 11. The Bible says they stand there and they're looking up into heaven, watching Christ go. And the angel says, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now I see them, they're standing there and they're watching Jesus go and they're contemplating, what do we do now? I mean, they had walked with him, they had talked with him, they had worked with him and served with him, and now he's being taken up. And the angel says, why stand ye here gazing? You see, they've got to decide what they're going to do now. Things have changed, haven't they? Christ is gone they're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. This is the second thing. Notice the reckoning and change. The angel asked them a question. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The disciples are being forced to answer the question of what they're going to do in light of what God has done. All right? God has taken Christ to heaven. All right? God has done what he desired to do and what he planned on doing. But watch this. Now they have to decide what they're going to do in light of what God has done. Now, folks, God has brought a lot of changes about at Central Baptist Church in the last two years. That's why I keep calling you resilient. I've told Brother Nate, I don't know how many times I said, they're so resilient. Change after change after change in personnel and the virus and people going on to be with the Lord. I mean, all of these changes, and yet you've remained definite in times of difference. Now, folks, if we can keep that going, we'll see what God has planned throughout all of this. But if you're not careful, these times of change and difference will shake you. I'll tell you this, anytime God brings about change in your life, you have to make a choice. Anytime God brings a change in your life, you have to make a choice. God is not going to impose his will on your life. God calls you to be a missionary, to go over there to China and take some of the Bibles yourself. Maybe God calls you to take some over to the Philippines and God calls you. God lets you know what his will is. This is what I want done. Well, you have to decide whether or not you're going to be obedient to what God has called you to do. You see, you have a choice to make when God brings about change. Here's some things that you have to decide. The first is this. You have to decide whether you're going to work to accept it or try to escape it. You have to decide, are you going to work to accept it, or are you going to try to escape it? Prime example, think about Saul this morning. God interrupted his life, didn't he? He's on his way to do what he thought he needed to do and what he wanted to do. And all of a sudden, the light shines down from heaven. He falls to the ground. He looks up. God's calling him in a different direction. God's bringing about change in his life. Right at that moment, Saul had to decide what he was going to do with the change that God brought to his life. You know what he decided to do? He decided to accept it. He said, all right, you're bringing about change. Look, we don't always like the change, but you've got to decide whether you are going to accept the change God brings in your life. Folks, look, there's been folks who've gone through things in 2021 that would have broken better people, would have broke you. I mean, there's some things that people have gone through, some grief, some pain, and some trials, and boy, the change has not been enjoyable. But rather than run from it, you know what they've done? 
that accepted the will of God. All right, God, if this is your will, I'm going to accept it and see what you're doing in the long run. Now, folks, listen, this is the reckoning that comes in the change of our life because as Saul had accepted it, Jonah tried to escape it. God brought change to Saul. He accepted it. God brought change to Jonah. He says, I'm going to run from it. No, you're not going to bring this change into my life. I mean, folks, look, it's like losing my hair. You know, that's a kind of a big deal in my life. Evidently, I have a, 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 a nerve of pride in my life, and uh, the Lord knew that losing my hair was really going to get to that nerve of pride, and oh, does it every time I brush my hair. I'm trying to save the pieces that come out. I'm trying to glue them together and make me one of those things the Pope wears on the top of my head, and maybe it'll cover up that little spot that's there, you know? Oh, I don't like the change. Oh, I don't like the change. Somebody said the other day, you know what you ought to do? Quit running from it and just shave it bald. I think if you ever saw my head, you would not want to see it bald. Brother Ben, you have a good-looking head. It's bald. It looks great. Mine doesn't look good bald. It's lumpy, and I've got big ears. I mean, it, you think it looks bad now. It'll look a whole lot worse than any hair on it. Got to decide whether or not we're going to embrace the change or try to escape it. Jonah says, I'm going to run from the change. God, you're trying to change the direction of my life, and I'm going to run from it. Can I ask you tonight how that worked out for him? doesn't work out. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he has planned. So we work to accept it rather than try to escape it. Think about this. When change comes, you can allow change to make you bitter or you can allow change to make you better. Prime example is Abraham. God promised Abraham a son. God gave him a son. Now God says, I want to take that son and I want you to sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. We talked about it this morning. Man, you think about that. What? You gave me a son. You promised me a son. I've loved this son. I'm thankful for this son. He's a child of promise. I'm thankful for Isaac. And now you want to take him from me? Abraham could have bowled up and got bitter. No. No. No, God. I'm not going to allow you to bring this change in my life. I'm not going to allow you to take them from me. I refuse to accept it. And yet, no, Abraham didn't get bitter. You know what he did? He got better. Through it, Abraham learned that he could trust God even if God wanted to take something out of his life that he loved dearly. Now, folks, I want you to know I'm not deep enough to grasp that one yet. That's a tough one to grasp. God, I'm going to let you take out of my life what you want to take out of my life because you know what's for good in my life. Ooh, that's a tough one right there. Sunday morning only won't get you past that one. You're going to have to have a walk with God. And Abraham says, okay, God. You want to bring this change in my life? And he goes up to the mountain and he puts his son there on the altar. We know the story. God did not have him sacrifice his son, but God, oh, taught him a valuable lesson that he will be Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. And can I tell you what happened when Abraham left that mountain? He left the mountain better. He left the mountain better. Why? Because rather than running from the change that God brought in his life, he accepted the change that God brought in his life, and rather than get bitter for what God wanted to do, he got better by seeing what God could only do. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. There's a reckoning that comes in change. You've got to decide whether or not I'm going to allow God to bring in my life the change that he wants to. Matthew chapter 4, we read about the call of the disciples. What did he say? Verse 19, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you know what he basically told them? Hello, my name is Jesus, and I'm here to change your life. I want to take you from your occupation, from your family, and what you know well, and I want to do something else with your life. At that moment, they had to decide. It was a time of reckoning. 
All right, you want to change my life? You want to change my course and my direction? All right, I don't know anything about preaching, but you promised to make me. To watch, rather than miss an opportunity, they made an opportunity. I fear tonight a lot of Christians miss out on opportunities that God has for them because they won't accept change. God, you, you want me to teach a Sunday school class? What? I can't do that. Look, I don't even like talking to the lady at the drive through at McDonald's, and you want me to teach a class? God says, let me bring change. Let me bring that in your life. God uprooted our family just almost two years ago and moved us here. And I'm like, no, no, no. God says, let me bring a change in your life. And there was a time in my life, a time in Brother TJ's life, a time in Brother Miller's life, a time in Brother Brent's life. It was that moment of reckoning whether or not we're going to allow God to bring change about in our lives. And although it doesn't feel good, I assure you, you can allow God to use it to make you better and to see what he wants to do in your life. So number two, real quick. We get to choose what we do with our change, but that moment of reckoning is what you get to decide. Number three, look at verse 12. Verse 12, the Bible says, after he had ascended, the angel says, what are you going to do now? Why stand you here gazing? Then returned they into Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Here's what's beautiful. At that moment of reckoning, they had to decide, okay, God, you've brought about change in our life. You've taken Jesus we're all alone for a little while. You've brought about change in our life. What are we going to do about that? The Bible, I just love this, verse 12, then return they unto Jerusalem. Number three, I want you to see the regrouping after change. The regrouping. In spite of all of the change and the emotions of what God was doing, they made the choice to go back to Jerusalem. Now, why is this crucial? Well, look over, if you will, to verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. You know what they decided? They decided they were going to be obedient. Boy, you brought about some change, and you took someone that we loved, took Christ, now they're there without him to look to and to ask questions. They don't have him there. And boy, God's bringing about this change. But they had to decide, what are we going to do now? You know what they decided to do? They decided to regroup. The Bible says in verse 12, they returned in Jerusalem. They decided, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be obedient to what Christ had said. You know, in the end, what we have to decide we're going to do when God brings about change in our life boils down to simply obedience. I'm just going to do what he told us to do. Oftentimes, I scratch my head and wonder when change comes in our life. I mean, oh, we've had a year's worth of it or almost, almost a little bit over a year's worth of it. What are we going to do? We're just going to do what we know to do. We're going to do what he told us to do. Why? Because he said, I want you to stay and remain in Jerusalem. He says, okay, let's just go back and let's do that. Now, folks, I'll give you a few examples before I give you the last one. But this is important for us to understand. As God brings change about in our lives individually, collectively as a church, we have to decide what we're going to do. And the answer is to regroup. That's what we do. We're going to go back and be obedient to what we know the Lord says. Look, it would have been easy for Daniel to say, you know what? God, you brought change in my life. You took me from everything that I know, people that I love and I care for, and you put me now in the midst of people that don't believe like I do. Oh, great change came to the life of Daniel. And yet, what did Daniel decide he was going to do? He regrouped and just was obedient. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have said, you know what? We're here. We're in the minority of people that believe like we believe. And you know what we're going to do? Surely God's going to give us a pass on being obedient. No. 
They regrouped and were just obedient. Think about Job. Job had change after change after change, all in just about a day's time brought in his life. Talking about a disruption. What a change it brought in his life. He lost his children. He lost his health. He lost his property. Even lost his wife for all practical purposes. And yet, what did Job do? He didn't quit on God. He regrouped and was just obedient. His wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? You see, she allowed the change to change to disrupt her faith. Oftentimes, I'll be honest with you, I'm more like Job's wife than I'm like Job. Change comes in my way and I get mad at God. Come on, God. Come on, God. Six funerals in six weeks. I still don't know everybody's name yet. We have trouble and crisis and we have a pandemic and all of these things happen. Come on, God. Let up a little bit. And oh, there's the devil waiting with that crowbar to separate you from your walk with God. And to disrupt your diligence and your faithfulness to God. Just like Job's wife, we don't want to curse God and die. And Job says, you speak as one of the foolish women. Job says, we're going to regroup and we're going to be obedient to what God's called us to do. The last two years, we've seen a lot of change at our church. A lot of times we've asked the question, what are we going to do? The simple answer is, we're going to do what we know to do. We're going to be obedient to what God's called us to do. And finally, that's the last thing. Look down to verse 14. After all had settled down, the Bible says these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Notice the Bible says they continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They began by having this disappointing change brought in their life, disrupted everything. They had to decide what are they going to do. They decided they were going to regroup and be obedient. And finally, the last thing you see here is the resolve and change. They decided we're going to continue in one accord in prayer and supplication. You know, I just think to myself, the devil probably was furious at this moment. That, oh, what an opportunity he had to sow disruption and discord and unfaithfulness. It's, he had an opportunity right there to separate them during all of the change from what they knew to do. And yet, you look, at they, look what they decided to do. They decided to be resolved. Tonight, I want to encourage you with this before we close. Oh, there's been a lot of change in our church. A lot of differences have come to our church. A lot of differences have come to your lives personally. Had a lot of people come, a lot of people go. If you're not careful, the devil's going to stand there waiting to see you have that moment of weakness as things begin to change where you decide, you know what, I'm going to jump ship. I'm out of here. You know what? I'm just going to curse God and die. I'm going to quit. I'm going to go find another church where things are settled down a little bit. Do you know every church in America is having problems right now? I told Brother Nate the other day, I said, I know our church is probably thinking, ever since that new guy got here, things have been turned upside down. <laughs> Brother Miller was here. Things were going great. Everything was fine. That new guy comes and a pandemic erupts. I'm thinking, yeah, I feel like they're looking at me thinking, yeah, you're the reason. You know, pox on you. Give him the black spot. Throw him over, over the boat. Folks, I'll tell you, God's working in the midst of all of this. God was working in taking Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit needed to come. It was all part of his plan. But we have to have that reckoning to decide, what are we going to do now? We're going to stand here gazing and say, oh, look at the change. Too much, too much. Or we decide, you know what? I'm going to regroup. And I'm going to have resolve to see what God's going to do. And oh, there's this little thing, Acts chapter 2. You read it, what God was about to do. Oh, did God work a work? Oh, did God begin to work through his church and through his people? But imagine if they had allowed 
all of the change to disrupt their diligence. They would have never seen it. And I wonder what God has in store for us if we'll just be faithful in the midst of all of our change tonight. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to stop there. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I told you it's a very simple thought, but I want you to, to reflect on this just for a few moments in the invitation time. Tonight, have you had a realization of change that God moves things around as he sees fit? God adds, God takes away, God moves people in, God moves people out. God takes people to heaven. God allows things to happen, but God is sovereign. And in the midst of change, God still works. So let's have the realization tonight that God is working. Then let's have the reckoning. Let's decide, what are we going to do now? Why stand ye here gazing? Why are you enamored because of the change? What are, what are you going to do with what God has done? The disciples decided, you know what? We're going to regroup. We're going to be obedient to what he told us to do. And we're going to do it with resolve so that we could see God work in this church the way he did in this early church. Father God, I thank you tonight, Lord, for the opportunity just to share this simple thought that you put in my heart. And Lord, I'm so thankful tonight, Lord, that I can trust you in the midst of change. And Lord, we have such a wonderful church, such a wonderful spirit, wonderful people, uh, very patient and gracious in all the changes, Lord, that you have brought about in our church. And no, Lord, I pray that you've taken this simple message tonight and you'll use it, Lord, in the individual hearts that are here, the homes that are here, and in our church collectively. That, Father, even if more changes come, Father, where our country continues to head down this hill and, Father, it gets harder to worship, that, Lord, we're going to be faithful and remain definite in times of difference. I just pray that your will be done tonight. And, Lord, help us do what pleases you, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.